Welcome to iWoofs with your hosts, Dr. Ian and Kelly Dunbar, and me, Jamie Dunbar. So, what are we talking about this week, Kelly, Jamie? This week we're going to talk about separation anxiety. What, um, what is separation anxiety? I thought you were feeling lonely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're well, getting anxious. <laughs> you mean, so, well, you're getting so what, is, again. what is separation anxiety? And it, wh- how do you tell if something really is separation anxiety? Because it is a term that can be overused. Um, people, I think, um, what, mis- you know, misidentify their, their, their problems. Yeah, it's, it's overused all the time. But yeah, it does absolutely. exist, so we don't want to say. I think in the past... Absolutely. I think in the past you've been... Um, some of what you've said has been interpreted um, or misinterpreted as saying that it doesn't exist. Don't care about the dog's feelings, no. Yeah. No, or that it doesn't exist, which yeah. I don't think that's how you Absolutely feel. not. I no, I, I think anxiety is, is the most terrible of emotions. I mean, to feel anxious is like... Whoa, I mean, just think of the anxieties that, that, that you have. I mean, my, getting up in the morning, jumping out of a plane for me. It's like I just panic getting thinking about it. Getting up in the morning it. and jumping out of <laughs> Well, no, I, I meant getting up yes. early in the morning. Oh, it oh. makes me anxious, you know, the night before. <laughs> the but, life of a dog trainer. Well, for some people it could be public speaking or like talking on the air now and they would panic and not sleep. And what we do when a dog is anxious, and especially if they're anxious of being around people, we push them around people all the time. Or if the dog is anxious, truly anxious, at being left at home alone, then we go off to work for eight hours and the poor dog, of course he freaks out. Well, most people have no choice, so so then that's something we can delve into. the way we live. But I think what we have to do is to work out... We have to do two things. First, we have to ask the question, is the dog anxious, yes or no? If yes, we've got to give him help. If no, it's usually actually that the dog is, is happy that the owners have left home because they've tried to control behavior, barking, uh, marking the house, and destructive chewing. They've tried to control behavior with punishment. And, and of course, the first thing the dog learns there is, aha, they can't punish me when they're not at home. So when I'm left at home alone, you know, as soon as the owners leave, the dogs think, whoa, they're going great. going to wreck the house. I'm going to pee everywhere. You know, I'm going to poop. I'm going to chew. I'm going to bark. I can be a dog. And so, so that I would call... this is what you're talking about when, yeah, when you're saying that primarily, it's not always yes, separation anxiety. It's not always anxiety. separation anxiety. A lot of the times, I think it's separation fun. But, of course, <laughs> yeah. it is a real problem. It's a problem. And how do you... How, you know, we, we and so the second thing we have to do there is we have to resolve the problem, too. So we have to teach the no. dog well, where the, to pee. The first thing is identifying whether yeah, or not. Yeah, I say, regardless of etiology, we still have to resolve the problem because that's where the owner comes to us. They, the, the owner's mad because the dog destroys the house or urinates in the house or, or the neighbors complain because it's barking. So we, we have to resolve the problem. But this is a special behavior problem because it may be fueled or caused by a, anxiety. And so if the dog is anxious, we have to deal with it. And it would be the only situation where I would say, here is where I would say, hey, prescribe some medication. It may help. But the medication would be an anxiolytic, an anti-anxiety drug. And I expect a very generalized effect that I expect the dog to be less active overall. It is not, however, a specific behavior modification. No, so I mean, it's basically that's just a mask or a toning down of the feeling of anxiety. Is that what the, the drug would do? Yeah, we, we, we think. We, to... Well, we don't know. We, in, we, in, when uh, it used in humans, yeah, the humans can say, oh, I feel much better because I'm on Prozac. We never know how a dog thinks or feels. But the point is an anti-anxiety drug is different than, let's say, um, a sedative, right? Although can't they have a 
Oh, yeah, absolutely different. But they will also have, they will both have the effect of decreasing generalized behavior. So in both cases, the dogs will appear, are acting calmer. So then we make the assumption, oh, maybe they feel calmer. So we, we never know for certain what a dog feels or, or, or thinks. No. What we do know is how he acts. But if there's the remotest possibility the dog is anxious we've got to build up his confidence so he's not anxious when left at home alone because people have to work and they leave their dogs at home alone a lot so I would do lots of exercises there you see the difficulty is that dogs live in a Jekyll and Hyde type existence that they're left at home alone then the owners come home and they feel a little guilty and they feel a little tired and you know working so hard they spend all the time with the dog and the dog's always given total access to them which ironically sets them up for failure when the owner leaves them at home alone so what the owner has to do is to teach the dog how to spend time on his own but the only time they can do that is when the owner is there so they should do things like simple things, feed the dog from stuffed chew toys, and put the dog in his crate in the same room as the owner first, mm -hmm. you know, just for 10 minutes. Then they take the chew toy away, so the dog says, oh no, I was just enjoying that in my crate. Then you put the crate at the doorway, put the chew toy in there, let the dog in for 10 minutes, till eventually the crate is in a different room. And then for 10 minutes only, then 15, then 20, then an hour, till eventually the dog gets to the point like, can I have some crate time this evening? And this is great to start you know? with puppies as well. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Because the, at that point, yeah. being alone is, is generally a little bit stressful for most puppies, right? I mean, when they're, you know, they're, they cry when they're little when they're alone because that's how they survive. Of course they are. We and take the puppy away from mum and his litter mates and say, right, group, now you're family. sleeping on your own and not even with the family. And, but it would be a survival thing, right? I mean, they have to, if their mother has lost them, they yes. have to go, yip, yip, They would have to go, yip, 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 because could. within, you know, eight hours they're going to be very hungry and in 24 hours they're probably going to be dead. So it is a natural a behavior Absolutely. that we have to kind of train out of them? Yeah, it's, it's not only a natural behavior, it's also a natural need. Yeah, and the, but, social need. Yeah, and as we have to do in all training, we have to teach the dog, yeah, I know you've got doggy behaviors, I know you've got doggy needs, but we have to accommodate so that we can live together. And yes, you can yip and whine, but don't do it forever. Is it very um, different than what you did with Jamie when he was a baby? It's it, No, it's exactly the same. <laughs> we, we had a very He's interesting... He's very confident now. No, with his mum, he's very good on his own. <laughs> we had a, a great discussion uh, because his mother's a cognitive psychologist who's concerned about uh, you know people's thoughts and needs and what have you. And we'd, we'd already talked this through with Omaha, the Malamute, and then we got Jamie, and we come up with Jamie. the same... <laughs> Jamie the human. <laughs> Jamie the human. And then we had the, the same conclusion that y you have to cater to their needs and feelings. Of course you do, unconditionally, but you don't want to reinforce bad behavior. But it's the same thing. An infant needs... Exactly the same thing. doesn't want to be alone. Yeah, and what we did then, it's, it's fantastic because it's directly applicable to dog owners, that we said, right, when it's time for you to go to bed at night, and he's like, I don't want to be on my own. Don't I have a need. I need my mommy. I need my daddy. I need to be the center of attention. Every five minutes, we would go in there, and we'd say, it's okay, Jamie. We're here, buddy. It's all right, like this, and give him a little hug and a kiss. Then we'd leave, and I would actually sit outside the door reading from the paper out loud. Every five minutes, we would go in doing this if he were crying. If he's quiet, then I would go in and sit with him for 10 minutes. 
and he's asleep now. But I, I, I'm sure that he, he knew this. And, and this is the thing that special baby senses can yeah, tell. Yeah, that's it. Adults are around. Or, or, or puppy senses. Yes. And then I would sit there, there's a good boy, there's a good boy. <laughs> so, and, and now, you know, to this that's day, I mean, boy. Jamie will go in a room with his, his little hobby, and he's quite happy for an hour or six hours, whatever it is, drawing or writing or painting. And but there's a, because there's teaching someone to be alone, but with confidence. Absolutely, and, and, that's, and that's, that's what we have to do with the puppies. You are it's comfortable What we on got your own, to do with it? I, we don't want to absolutely, very comfortable with alone time these days. <laughs> yeah, downtime. <laughs> so we have to, hopefully, starting in puppyhood. Because if we don't, the problem then develops, and it's huge by the time we get to treatment. And that's why people think we've got to use extreme measures here because we have an awful problem. If we start with a little puppy and say, "Well, you're on your own for five minutes." Then after five minutes we play, then you're on your own for ten minutes, then you're on your own for fifteen minutes, and when you're on your own you have a stuffed chew toy. Within three days the puppy says, Can can I be on my own in my crate with my chew toy for an hour now? So the equivalent of a with child's it. video games. Exactly. <laughs> Ex- absolutely exactly. You now have a puppy who says, I want to go and play with my video games in my crate, except the video game here is a stuffed chew toy. And the so dog's happy doing that's that. That's good for prevention in the beginning, but if someone adopts a dog from a shelter or already has an existing problem for, for whatever reason, again, we need to identify, is it separation anxiety or separation fun? Is that what you call it? Yeah, separation or, fun. Or is it, um, yeah, and then and at that point, you know, then we have to get to the serious question of, you know, well, why, why are we seeing so much of this? Is it because it's misdiagnosed or because of our lifestyle? Well, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but yeah, no, first, I, how do we... How do we determine for how do we how do we tell people to de- how to determine? Well, I, I not do a process in, 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 in medical science and veterinary science. I'm sure listeners don't want to hear this, but there's a very sophisticated um, type of diagnosis where you diagnose by treatment. So essentially, the vet or oh. the doctor is saying, "I don't know what's wrong with them, but let's give them antibiotics." And then, whoa, in three days you're better. Then the doctor says, well, that was a bacteria, okay? So one of the things I like to do is to combine the anxiety treatment, the home alone treatment, and the behavior problem solving all in this one exercise. And if it resolves, what we know is, you know, if that was anxiety, well, it's not that bad because we've solved it now. The, The dog is fine. However, if I do my manipulation, regardless of etiology, and it doesn't work, then I say, no, this dog is one step beyond. He's not just lonely. He's not just untrained. He's also really anxious, and he needs extra help. Because a lot of people will say their dog, you know, if their dog is basically not chew toy trained, they'll say, oh, my dog is separation anxiety. He chews up the house when we're gone. In fact, he's just a, just a dog. No, yeah, it's it's a total not. cavalier expression. It's become now in, in common parlance, so people say separation anxiety. And it really upsets me because the word anxiety, if you think of that's a big word. To be anxious is unpleasant. And to use it cavalierly like that and then do nothing. Yeah. That's what well, gets that's me. True. They say, my dog has separation anxiety or he's anxious around children. Then they do nothing but make the dog face his anxiety every day. So I say let's start the program. When you're at home, evenings and weekends, we're going to have moments where um, the dog goes in his crate or in his room with a stuffed toy for very limited time. And the success of this is two things. Don't feed him out of a bowl. 
and don't let him have his stuffed toy stuffed with food for more than a few minutes. Mm, Take it away when he still wants it. This sounds like it's an answer to our first question, so maybe I should present the question (laughs) so you don't don't use up all your answering. That's a very good idea. So now we have a question from the listener, yeah. Or the reader, I should say. Well, listener. Well, listener now, but the questions come from Dogstar Daily. I mean, they're readers. Or watchers. Unless they listen to... We we always squeak the chairs. No. I think you got the squeaky chair today. Okay. Let's have a question. My dog, once again, not my dog, the listener's dog, is semi-house trained and eliminates in the crate. He goes crazy when in the crate any time of day. The dog throws himself against the crate and howls. Husband, not my husband, just husband. (laughs) (laughs) Husband wants him crated at night so he doesn't go to the bed. He even tied the dog up in the crate and the dog chewed through the leash. The dog also becomes very distressed when left alone in the house. We've tried leaving without putting him in the crate and he scratches the door and destroys things. Maybe this dog finds the crate so aversive because he came from a shelter. Is there any way he can be conditioned to accept the crate? Absolutely. And and they, you know, we always say here Oh, maybe he was abused when young. Maybe it's because he was in the shelter. No, he finds the crate so horribly aversive because they haven't taken the time to teach him that the crate is the best place in the world. Imagine they wouldn't like it being locked in a small room for eight hours a day. Tied up in a small room. That's terrible. It sounds almost dangerous. You can't. The the crate is such a misunderstood tool. And it can either be your private room, your safe haven, your doggy den, your doggy den, thank you, Jamie, or it could be a prison. And it depends on how you introduce the dog to it. And the first test before you would confine a dog in any area is do you like being confined there? So I would do the test where I open the crate door, and unless the dog runs in and goes, yippee, I'm in my crate, I'm not going to lock him in there because he will then want to break out. And we're actually causing habits. So what I do is I like to sit down. I like, it's one of my favorite demos. It sounds like the Hugo video we shot very early it, on. It most certainly probably does sound very closely to the Hugo <laughs> video. So we take a chew toy, like a squirrel dude or a Kong, and I stuff it with food. So I'll, I'll show the dog each bit of food at a time, put it in here, and we'll take some of this and squish it down and a bit of this and what have you. Stuff it, show it to the dog, and the dog's like, wow, I like that. Then I put this in the crate and shut the door. And it's the dog where? The dog's outside the crate. And this is where you've got... I mean, you've got to film the dog's expression. It's so funny. Yeah. Oh, we have with Hugo. And it's like... And he goes up there and he's trying to open the crate. He's chewing on the bars to get in. How could you You be so cruel? Yeah, so you've got to do that first. You've got to lay the groundwork before you can... You know, lock a dog up for hours on well, that. I end. like the idea also of using the, especially the airline, you know, the molded plastic crates, taking them apart and using that as a bed. Yeah, oh, very you know, good. Get idea. the dog yeah. used to the idea of this as a bed before you put the top on or, mm-hmm. or latch the door. For some dogs, they're comfortable until you latch the door, uh, you know, and some will go in. I think Claude was like that at first. He was used to sleeping in a crate, but he'd never been closed in a crate when we got him, I think. So, um, yeah, so he, he didn't you know. like it. No, it, it's very. So there's just many ways to get them used to acclimate them to the crate before you lock them in there. Okay, so then what do they do in the meantime? In the meantime, they're acclimating to the crate, but they still have to well, leave. Well, we're back to, I just want to follow off on the point you made. I think that's really important that so many people don't like to use a crate because they think it is a little cell. And if you take the top off, it now becomes a bed. And I actually, I don't like using crates. In my own house, we have one for Hugo but I prefer beds 
and you say to the dog, go to your bed, and he stays there. One, because your brain can keep him there, sitting at back on the bed, but most importantly, because he likes staying there. And I think this is what we got to do with the dog first. We have to prove he likes being in this area, whether it be a crate or a single room, before we even think of confining him. No, you did this. This reminds so me of what my chair is really squeaking oh, today. I don't know still, what it is. Do you have any? Do you have any? I can't. I'm animated. I'm getting into it. You know. You could use this chair. Uh, Fine. Uh, no, don't. Okay, let's go. Um, <laughs> no, you when, I, when, I, say, when yeah. I first moved into the house, um, Ivan and Ollie, my dogs, were uncomfortable. I guess when I wasn't around, they would go into my my little area and they would lie on their beds in there. And you wanted them to come out and be comfortable lying in other mm -hmm. areas. So you did a lot of classical conditioning, I believe, um, of, of them in the dining room, mm -hmm. in the, the more, the, you know, the more centrally located bed so that they would learn to mm -hmm. hang out in the in another room. So uh, the point is you, you're just learning, you're just teaching them to be comfortable in a new area. I, I guess I'm talking about classically conditioning. It, ta yeah, it takes time to prepare a dog. I mean, let's think of it from the dog's point of view that here's a social animal, he's, he's living with mum and, and, and his, his litter mates, and then we bring him home, and then boom, for 10 hours a day, he's in social isolation. It must be And usually with no toys, right? People with don't no even toys and no anything. preparation, yeah. yet if we give him a little bit of preparation for this, throughout just one weekend, we have these short periods of confinement, mm -hmm. you know, when we are at home, the dog is now used to it. And, and if when then we go to work in the morning, if we gave him, say, four stuffed chew toys, well, it's going to take him three, four hours to get the food out of those anyway, if it's moistened food and frozen, you know, and really jammed in there. And each bit of food that comes out trains the dog when you're not there. It rewards him for lying down quietly. His heart rate is down. His blood pressure is down. And he's lying down, chewing on his chew toy, He's not chewing on the furniture, he's not running around working himself up, and he's not barking. And that's the process. So it's basically preparation. We've got to train the dog before we lock him up. Okay, here's, here's um, I think let's take it up. I mean, I, I know some people who, I'm sorry, yeah, well, more we questions. Live. But we when they, they adopt a dog or get a puppy, they take two weeks off work, not to spend with the puppy, but to be at home training the puppy well, to enjoy being those on are his the, own. Those are people that know what they're doing. I mean, really, if people are fortunate enough to be able to take off that kind of time, they usually do it the wrong way, and they end up spending two weeks at home with the puppy, yeah, and, that, oh my and then yes. never leaving, and then suddenly go back to their schedule. So taking time off to be with your puppy, whether it's two days or two weeks, is an or new adopted adult dog, is a good thing, as long as you're leaving from the... From day one, leaving them at least Absol for short periods Absolutely. of time. They have to so be prepared to stand you on their own You don't want to change the rules. Yeah. Uh, you know, on, um, on the Open Paw site, openpaw.org, there is a list of things you can do. Um, in the first two weeks that you get your new mm -hmm. puppy or your new adult dog, and it, and it talks about things like this, about how you want to um, make sure that you don't change the rules on them. You start the program as it will remain. You don't you, know, you don't want to have two weeks of mm -hmm. special time and then do that. So. People can read the list on open. Yeah, and, and I think another very important thing is if you have a puppy, 
the more confinement you have early on, the more freedom he'll have oh, for yes. very no, long you're, life. You're thinking about 10, 15 years. Yeah, as opposed to people who will give freedom. the dog the run of the house, then they can't leave him on his own, so they send him to doggy daycare, where all day long the dogs are playing like maniacs, yeah. whereas instead of sending him to a doggy daycare where they train the dogs to settle down, you know, so few daycares do that. They are out there. Yeah, and, and it's a shame because so it's like hooking the dog on a drug. I've got to go to daycare because I'm crazy now. And, and I think daycare should be training the dog. No, you come here, you have a little play, then you're going to sleep all day long like normal dogs do, then a little play before your owners come home, and within a few weeks you'll be able to stay home on your own. Okay, so that is, question. That's, good, that, that's good prepping yeah. for you know, how to teach a dog to like a crate and how to like to be alone. Question number two um, gets into a little more of an intense issue about anxiety. And, uh, Jamie, you've got the question. All right, well, there. the dog is a Sheltie who has a lot of issues. <laughs> she resource guards bones and spaces, such as the couch. She has separation anxiety. She is car, people, and dog reactive. She is territorial. She barks constantly and occasionally spins in circles. She barks all the time. That's the main problem this person's getting at. Uh, in fact, they say that she barks like she's breathing. Uh, which I assume means barks constantly. Um, however, she says that she's afraid to give her stuffed chew toys because of the resource guarding, although when chewing, she is quiet. Is she a good candidate for drugs? She's a, and she, she, the lady asks you, is, is um, barking, can barking be an OCD behavior in and of itself? So is this stress-related or is it an OCD is part of her question. This is, uh, yes, it can be an OCD, but it's almost certainly due to lack of training and inappropriate training. I mean, here we are again, cavalierly saying she has separation anxiety. There's no proof of it at all. You know, all I've heard is she is an uncontrollable barker. No one's taught her to woof and shush. She is re reactive to people. Everything. To, to everything. <laughs> Car, people, yeah. dogs. And the couches. owners can't take things away from her. We've got to get back and do some really basic dog husbandry and very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. So, yes, before I would give her, well, I can give her, a, you know, a stuffed chew toy and then leave. Because by the time I come back, it will be empty of food. Okay, so, so that's kind of kosher to do. Is he dismantling a car outside or something? Or what's he doing? Probably. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> a little bit of noise. We should. Anyway, so. Yeah. We need some really, really very, very basic training here. And I would start off giving only feeding the dog from <laughs> stuffed chew toys. Ross is about to lose it and with toys in the back. It doesn't matter, Ross. We're, you know, we never stop for anything. Like, that could be an earthquake outside, and we yeah, are still left tongue. here recording, okay. okay? So they must do the stuffed chew toys first, so the barking count drops. And that will decimate barking within a couple of days. I would, however, even though we expect this chew toy to be empty by the time she comes home, I would tie it to a string. And if you like, you have the string on the pulley. So you pull the string to get the chew toy away okay. rather than put your hands but in there. I'm going to interrupt here because as much as, I mean, resource guarding is probably going to be its own episode and we're, we're talking mostly Absolutely. about the... Absolutely. We, we can't so get into that gonna, now. Yeah. But they must deal with the resource but, gardening. No, I mean, the question <laughs> as it relates to, separate, to anxiety and, and medication is, can barking be an OCD? How would we know? And then, well, and it's an OCD, but drugs? it doesn't mean to say it requires medication. So the dog is obsessive and compulsive. So let's teach them, well, that's all very well, but can you be quiet for a while? That, that no one, this is what gets me with these barking dogs or dogs that chase their tails or dogs that jump up or use it, living rooms like agility courses. They've never trained them to sit and shush. They haven't done it. So with both of these dogs, I would put two commands on cue. One is go crazy. 
and the other one is bark. And then I would alternate these commands, go, go crazy or jazz up with settle down. Jazz up, settle down, jazz up, settle down. I would alternate woof with shush, woof and shush, and woof and shush. And Murphy's Law in dog training is very precise here. If you try and put a behavior problem on cue, it won't happen. I mean, we find that filming all the time. Where everyone wants to film crazy dogs. And they're crazy till you bring a film crew <laughs> into the scene and then they sit and look at you. So put the problems on cue, which are barking, hyperactivity, or, or, or you know, jumping up and down. Then yo-yo them with the behavior you want. I would do that very, very basic training. And I would do it quickly. Because otherwise, the Sheltie is going to be revving up and revving up and revving up. And absolutely... OCDs have a huge learning component okay, to so them. Okay, so that's something that can that's actually grow into. You know, this, when you said she's revving up and revving up and revving up, it reminds me of a situation we had at, um, at, well, happens all the time in shelters, but one in particular at a shelter where it seemed more like a dog that was, um, you know, they start the spinning, you know, the, um, you know, stere mm -hmm. the different stereotypies. And, Stereotypical uh, behavior. And yeah. so spinning, leaping, barking, um, what I what I what I like uh, explained to the to the group is that it's kind of like the person who's just kind of gotten hysterical. It's like you want to do the behavioral equivalent, not physical equivalent, of slapping you know the hysterical person and just telling them, mm -hmm. you know, getting getting their attention and getting them to calm well, down. And they, it's like they forget they they it becomes a vicious circle, right? I mean, oh, absolutely. Here's what happens. Uh, yeah, when when you get these real st stereotypical behaviors, tail chasing, wall bouncing, wow. tail chasing. Did I say tail chasing? Yeah. yeah. Well, tail chasing and wall bouncing and, and, and barking, the dog is self-medicating with endorphins. Right, okay. Just like so a jogger. Exactly. That's getting I mean. hooked so on to... these behaviors. So what we do is we say, okay, little Sheltie, you're obsessive and you're compulsive. Hey, what else is new? Well, we have a new <laughs> compulsion for you. It's called a stuffed chew toy. And they go to it. Do you remember Oso? Mm -hmm. Now, that was an obsessive compulsive dog. I thought, whoa, really? we gave him a Kong. He changed. He now, when you gave him a Kong, it wasn't like, oh, nice, thank you. He was like... <laughs> well, it something, so these are dogs yeah. that have energy and, and need jobs. That's they don't it. have jobs. Absolutely. So now we're giving you know, him a hobby where he can let out his cooking. energy. And, and Trying to make a chain chewer. But the, yeah, but the deal is now that chewing the chew toy is self-medicating. That's what's being rewarded by the endorphins and all the things associated with it. Because if you're chewing a chew toy, you are lying down. And if you're lying down, blood pressure and heart rate are lower. Such an easy procedure that so we can do. So whipping them into a frenzy. Yeah, which, and I really want to say this, just by feeding the dog from chew toys only, we create an effect on the dog's behavior, which is five times greater than any drug that I've ever seen prescribed. I've never seen research studies that say that dogs, drugs, Dogs. The drugs. Dogs. The drugs have more effect than Just this. Just say no to Doug. So, um, so that's basically it. We better round up. Round up. Wrap it up. Wrap okay, it up. Okay. No, but I do want people. <laughs> wrap it up. We want. I uh, want people to know that if they are um, unclear as to whether they, you know, the dog has separation anxiety issues, there is a, a list of questions you can ask yourself on openpaw. Openpaw.org. Openpaw.org. Org. In the pet basic section. So there's um, something about, um, is it separation anxiety? And also the first two weeks with your new dog and how to how to avoid these problems. We've got and, two lists. And if they want to see Hugo trying desperately to get in his crate, filmed by Jamie, it's on dogstardaily.com.
That's it for the week, right? That's it for this week. Okay, guys. Good job. That's all for this episode of iWhoops. Thank you for listening.